Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. Hi, and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. Today, we're discussing why debt-free doesn't make you financially free. We're going to talk about what debt is, why paying it off might be more risky, and what to do about it so that you have maximum certainty, control, and peace of mind. We'll help you gain clarity on your debt position and know what to do about it. We're your hosts. I'm Rachel Marshall, and this is Bruce Weiner. Welcome, Bruce. Good morning, Rachel. Good morning. Good morning. This is a great topic, and let's go ahead and jump in and share this with our listeners. So as we set the stage for this discussion today, a lot of times I think people fear debt. We have this idea that debt is a bad thing and we need to pay it off as quickly as possible. And there's a lot of conflicting information that we might get from people around us. Maybe it's other financial advisors or financial experts like we talked about last time or friends and family. And all these ideas can have us short-sighted or focusing just on one piece of our financial life sometimes. And so there's this big push to pay off debt or have debt freedom. And some people even are into, you know, I'm debt-free and this is my debt-free anniversary and ringing the debt-free bell and, and celebrating that in their life. And it seems like such this big milestone. And my question is, why? Why do we make such a big deal about paying off debt? And what does that actually mean and how does it impact the rest of our personal economy? So Bruce, what do you think? Why do you think being debt-free has become such an important thing in most of our culture? Boy, this is a, um, you know, the proverbial uh, opening up a can of worms. <laughs> oh, exactly. You know, I don't know if you, people actually even think about what that means, but, uh, you know, open up a can of worms, worms go in many directions. And so, uh-huh. and so that's what, you know, people, we're, we're, we're going to do is, figure out why people go in many directions. You know, I think in our society today, uh, unfortunately, whether we're talking about, um, the, you know, debt, being debt-free, being financially free, whether we're talking about politics, <laughs> we're talking about family, everybody believes there's only one way of doing something because I believe we're in such a time-starved environment nowadays mm-hmm. That people don't want to think for themselves. They don't want to. They don't want to take the time to reach research things. They just want somebody to tell them, "Oh, this is a great thing." And then when they get to that position, it's a goal that they're trying to reach, and then it makes them feel good about reaching that goal. Um, mm-hmm. It's a very unusual mindset that people have. Uh, Tom Mickler and I have talked about mindset on on many occasions. And we talked about him on, on other podcasts and hopefully we'll have him on a podcast sometime. Yes. But Tom, uh, Tom talks about, you know, uh, the mind, your mindset is that one that you can actually um, be actively uh, pursuing um, the awareness of the mindset. And I think that's, if people would just, when they're listening to this podcast or other podcasts, or if they're going along listen to the radio or, or if they don't have any actual thing going on in their life, they're just sitting in their chair thinking, 
if they actually think through all these things and and think about why one person says it to do it one way and why another person says they'll to do it another way, that is true learning. And then they can decipher whether they want to be uh, debt or liability free. Oh, that's fabulous. And I think a lot of times we do need to say, where is our mindset coming from? And what really serves us in the long run. And so we are going to come back to mindset as we discuss this controversial, perhaps topic in our financial life and really be able to make sense of it. So I think a lot of times families become saddled in debt. I mean, if you look at the typical um, college graduate graduating from whatever degree they have, they have all of these student loans, they're looking forward to the income, but they don't have it yet. They probably don't have the, um, the house yet. And they're looking to get into a position of being debt free. And sometimes they, they might end up purchasing things on a credit card and then, and then you have the home mortgage and then you're buying a car with, with a loan as well. And pretty soon it can be this spiral. that is really challenging to get out of. So what we want to do is instead of just fearing debt, we want to truly understand it and how that impacts our financial life. But yeah, and then the key to that is understanding the difference between uh, what some people refer to as a liability and some people refer to as a debt and knowing the difference mm-hmm. between the two. Oh, exactly. And that's something we're going to really di- dive and delve into today in this conversation. So the first idea that I want to plant in your mind as a listener today is that you may not necessarily be in debt. And most of the time when people think they are in debt, they might not actually be. So that's where we want to help you have this clarity and this transformation from narrow thinking to having a big picture of what is it, what does it mean to have a balanced personal economy? We want to move you from this guilt and fear and this shrinking thinking that makes financial life a struggle to empowerment and confidence and having this expanded view that you can have money work for you. And we also want to move you from being out of control to a position of having control and options and increased capability. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to answer what is debt? Am I in debt? Will a debt-free goal help me or hurt me? And more importantly, to reach my goals, gain confidence, peace of mind, time and money freedom, what should I do about debt? So this is going to be a fascinating conversation. Let's, um, I also want to peg this. Where does this conversation fit in the bigger survival to significance cash flow system? So, in the system, you have first your foundation to keep more of the money you make. Then we have the next phase to protect your money. And finally, you want to increase and make more. Now, debt is part of your cash flow in the foundational stage. And how you handle debt has the potential to increase or decrease your cash flow and your financial control. And it has the potential to accelerate or slow down your path to time and money freedom. So it's very important. The more cash flow you have today, the more quickly you can accelerate time and money freedom. Now, when you look at cash flow today, there's three most significant areas that people are losing control and paying more than they need to. One is financing. This is anything that has to do with a major capital purchase or big ticket items in your life. How you pay for things like your house, college, cars. So that's the financing idea. Another area that you lose money is overpaying in taxes. 
And another area is how you're planning for the future through things like qualified plans and taxable accounts. Now, the reason I share those three main ideas is that I want you to know why we're addressing this topic of debt. It's because financing is one of the main ways that we lose more money than we need to and decrease our cash flow. And we want to do the opposite, increase our cash flow today. So we're going to help you think through these areas so that you can keep and control more of the money you make. That gives you then stability, guarantees, you have the ability to have an emergency fund, build an opportunity fund, and have capital to purchase cash flowing assets, which is the thing that we all want so that we can generate that time and money freedom more quickly. So I just want you to see where this fits in the grand scheme of things. So we're going to chunk it down. And today we're going to focus in on that financing piece. So let's dive in. So number one, we want to determine if I'm in debt and figure out what to do about it. So the first thing to do is to understand your balance sheet. Bruce, do you want to share a little bit about what a balance sheet is? Well, it, it's, it doesn't have to be that complicated. It's basically, right. it's basically you have your assets on one side and you have your liabilities on the other side. So if in, in a, in a, a, an accountant or CPA or bookkeeper, they would simply add up your everything that you own, your assets, and everything you um, have some kind of uh, financing against or are required to pay, like for an accounts payable, um, you would add, add those up and then they come up with either a positive or a negative, negative number. It really is that simple when you're looking for um, whether you're in, you're in debt or not, because um, one month you could be in debt because you have more liabilities than you have assets. And the next month in business, you could be actually um, at a profit um, and have a high and, and have a net worth because your assets are greater than your liabilities. And if you think about it, it's simple, but taking these, taking the uh, action to make sure that you have a bookkeeper or an accountant or CPA actually looking at this on a systematic basis is how I believe most businesses become successful because they know where their cash flow uh, leaks are. Uh, But um, unfortunately, too many people start businesses they don't. They think that bookkeeping is simply an expense that they don't need, or they'll just deal with it later. And they actually get way behind, and 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 in fact, they are in debt because their liabilities way outpace their assets, and their cash flows in a negative situation, and they they do not even realize it for months, and then by that time they're so far they're so far in the negative that they can't pull out of it, and that's what. Lack of cash flow is what kills um, most businesses. Yeah. And just as you're talking about that there, I think that's the reason why debt is that scary mm-hmm. word. It's that slippery slope where if I have a liability, well, then am I going to just continue on this path? Do I see an end in sight? Do I see a position where I have a positive net worth again? So um, I'm going to go over that section real quickly again, because I really want our listeners to be able to grasp this in the simplicity that it is. And Bruce, as you shared, it is extremely simple. If you took a piece of paper, drew a line down the middle, on the left, you put A for assets. On the right, you put L for liabilities. An asset, just as Bruce said, is what you own. That is your 
house, your assets, uh, bank accounts, your qualified plans, any accounts where you have money. It's your the things that you own. That's like a positive number. On the left is your liabilities. Those are things you owe. And as Bruce, you said, accounts payable, or these are the places where you owe somebody else money. If you write that on the left-hand side, or on the right-hand side, your liabilities, if you take assets minus liabilities, the equation equals your net worth. And if that's a positive number, we're in an equity position. So if assets are greater than liabilities, you're in an equity position. You have net worth. If you're in a negative net worth position where your liabilities are bigger than your assets, now that is the definition of debt because debt actually means negative net worth. So let's just take a really quick example. Say you had $200,000 of cash. You had an $800,000 value of your house. You had $210,000 of investments. You had $90,000 car. You had investment properties worth $300,000. And if you're tracking with me or you're quick at math, that's $1.6 million in assets. That would be on your left-hand column of your piece of paper. If you also had these liabilities, these things that you owe, a mortgage of $700,000, credit cards of $120,000, an auto loan of $80,000, that's going to be liabilities of $900,000. So we take assets of 1.6 million minus the liabilities of 900,000 and we come up with a net worth of 700,000. This person is not in debt, right Bruce? Yes, uh, now some listeners may be, you know, saying right now, yeah, but the the credit card payments are just astronomical, so they should be getting rid of all that by selling some investments and that could or or may or may not be true. It would have to be looked at, but they're they're talking about you know future um, the, the the future purchasing power of that money that they're actually giving to the credit card payments. But their actual net worth is seven hundred thousand. Any any certified public accountant, any any bank official that would look at an asset liability sheet like this, a balance sheet. They would be very, um, very happy about this, and they would, they would give people a line of credit um, to move forward with other endeavors. So, yes, in this situation, they have a net worth of, of approximately seven hundred thousand dollars. So, as we're looking at this, then we are saying, okay, there is a liability. The liability is the mortgage, the credit card, the auto loan. Those are liabilities. That is the amount that you owe. But just because you have a liability doesn't mean you're in debt. In debt means you have less assets than liabilities. Another easy way to think about this is almost if you drew a bar graph and imagine a horizontal line like the horizon is zero and you stack up your amount of your assets on the left and the, you stack up the amount of your liabilities on the right. Whichever I don't know, you could call them a whichever skyscraper, whichever building is taller, your assets or your liabilities, that one wins. So if your assets are more than your liabilities, you're not in debt because you're in an equity position. Your assets win and your positive net worth. If your liabilities stack up higher than your assets, well, then you're in a position of negative net worth 
or debt. So what we want to do is not be afraid of a liability. We just want to be able to articulate and understand the difference between what is an, a true debt position and what is a liability. Now, it certainly does impact your cash flow, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. But on your balance sheet, assets and liabilities, we just want to understand, are we actually in debt or in not? A mi- in a micro level of this, I use this with my clients all the time. I say, you go to, in, in, in the Midwest, we have uh, clothing stores called Kohl's. And I say, you go to, oh, okay, you go to Kohl's and you buy a sweater for $60 and you put it on a Kohl's credit card because they're always trying to get you to open up a credit card or, or, will they, or they'll mm-hmm. say, will this be on your Kohl's credit card today? And then uh, you put that $60 on the Kohl's credit card and then you go and you wear it that evening and then you realize that this sweater now is probably only worth about $5 at a at a garage sale or a resale shop. So now the, liab- um, the liability on your... Um, uh, on your credit card is $60, but the asset is only worth $5. So you, in that little micro area, yes, you're in debt by $55. But then when you look at it, another micro area, such as an investment property or your home, and your home is worth $600,000, and you only owe $300,000 on it, then you actually have a net worth in that little micro area of $300,000. So the, the right. total then, you could, you could actually have a debt in a micro area of your life. But if you look mm-hmm. at the whole macro area of your life, your complete financial picture, and that's what a balance sheet does. It looks at the complete financial picture. You're, you probably just have some... Uh, you have greater assets and you have liabilities on the book. Now, you're absolutely right, Rachel. It, it does um, potentially have negative cash flow implications. But for people to understand the difference between debt and liability, you have to look at each little micro area of your financial life. Oh, yes. And the other part of that is that if your assets, let's go back to the macro for a minute. So on your complete financial picture, if the total macro assets are greater than your total macro liabilities, if you think that through, what that means is that you could, if you wanted to, pay off all of your liabilities or all of your loans. Now, you might not want to do that, but if you sold the house and you sold off the investments and you sold the car, you sold the investment properties from our early, earlier example, and you cashed out that cash in the bank and paid off all your liabilities, you would be able to reduce all of those liabilities, everything you owe down to zero and still have money left over. So the question then is not, could I pay it off? It's, do I really want to right, pay, should it off? I pay it off? What's the best, right, right. What's the best financial move for me? So to bring greater clarity, now now that we've really talked through the liabilities and assets on your balance sheet, let's move over to the impact that loans and debt have on your cash flow, which is your income statement. So this is a completely different financial statement. And again, if you're in business and you have an accountant and they're working through maybe 
QuickBooks or something, you might be familiar with looking at your income statement. But again, you might not be. And it's very, very simple. This is also like a balance sheet. You have an an income statement and a balance sheet in your personal financial life, even if you've never thought of it that way before. So Bruce, do you want to share what is an income statement? Yeah, well, it's because I, I do this every month. Um, you basically are, you're, you're looking at uh, all your income sources. Uh, ours is real estate, several different businesses, my wife's income from her consulting business, and then you look at the outgoing expenses every month. And if you're aware of how much the outgoing expenses are, because you have fixed expenses that go out every month and you have variable expenses every month. So if you simply mm-hmm. look at those, the ideal situation, I believe in our mind, is to make sure you're aware so that you have more income coming in than you have. Uh, expenses flowing out so that you have a positive income statement. Uh, certainly, if mm-hmm. you have 20000 coming in one month and 20000 going out, you would be at zero. That does not affect um, your balance statement at that time then because your balance statement would, be, would stay the same um, as long as the investments stay the same. But your income mm-hmm. statement would um, stay the same. Now, Here's where the income statement may affect your balance statement. Because if you had only $15,000 coming in in a particular month and you had $20,000 going out, well, then you have to make that $5,000 up from other assets off your balance statement, whether it's uh, your investments, your emergency cash. Um, even if you had to uh, a home equity line of credit and you had to take that against for that, this is, this is um, how people get in trouble by not being aware of a negative or positive income statement every month, and they start whittling it away at their assets, or, or right. they start putting more money, and the, and the balance on their credit cards actually grows. Uh, Steve Perm. I was just going to mention that yes. as well. Yes. So if you are having that shortfall each month, you're either going to reduce assets or increase liabilities. And either of those decreases your net worth back on yeah, the balance so, sheet. So Go Steve, ahead with yeah, Steve Perman and I just earlier this week on Monday, we had a couple, he, he brought me in to actually go over their entire cash flow situation. And this couple, nice, really nice couple, they had pensions. They had social security coming in. They had uh, a small business income coming in and they just didn't feel right. Well, one of the reasons they didn't feel right is because they were not aware that they were negatively spending. So their, mm-hmm. so their balances were going up every month. Now, you know, our, once again, our list, there's going to be some listeners out there that are really attuned to their financial life. And they're going to say, well, wait a minute, how can they not know their balances are going up? <laughs> well, right, but it's more common than you probably oh, realize. It's, it's as very well. common. People don't even open up their account statements. They just they just throw right. them in the or they have them emailed to them. They never they never email, and then they have their their um, credit cards on automatic debit from their bank account, mm-hmm. and, and they so they don't they don't even look and see if okay yeah it's automatic debit of five hundred dollars every month, and but they're actually growing it by seven hundred dollars every month. 
they had right. done a cash flow awareness exercise with us, and they had told us that they put three thousand dollars a month on credit cards, and they and they pay three thousand dollars every month on credit cards. Well, for my forensic accounting, after they gave me all their credit card statements, <laughs> I found out that they were averaging about forty one hundred dollars a month uh, on credit cards, not three thousand, and they were actually only paying about twenty five hundred dollars a month. So. Which is why their balance is exactly growing. exactly right. And so this is why mm-hmm. we espouse to a cash flow awareness. You have to be aware, and that's simply an income balance sheet. That's all it is. But you have to be aware mm-hmm. of what's coming in. You have to be aware of what's going out. Exactly. So here is for you as our listener today. If you are listening to this podcast, you're saying, well, how do I actionize this in my own life and figure out what exactly is going on? We will have future episodes that will dig deeper into cash flow awareness. But for today, if you flip over that piece of paper that you were writing your balance sheet on, now this next paper, this blank sheet of paper can be your income statement. And I would draw a horizontal line, like the horizon, not up and down, but sideways. And on the top, write income or I for income. On the bottom, put E for expenses. And what you want to look at is what is all of my streams of income coming into my personal economy or my business economy, whichever one you're analyzing at that moment, what is the total amount of income? And as Bruce, you mentioned, it could be rental property income. It could be business income. It could be income from two or multiple jobs, social security income. Those are income sources. That's an inflow into your bank accounts. And then if we look at your expenses, this is all of the places you spend money. This is paying off those credit card, paying minimum balances or minimum um, payments on the credit card or paying uh, your mortgage or paying your heating and electric bills, or this is your eating out and your groceries and all of the things that you spend. And what happens is we want to look at what is income minus expenses. And again, there's a lot of techniques that you can surround around this so that you can get a better idea because from month to month, it might be very different. But income minus expenses equals cash flow. So, if we want to increase your cash flow today, we need to either increase your income or decrease expenses. Either one of those will increase your cash flow today. And ultimately, we want to have more cash flow. So, how do loans and liabilities impact your cash flow or your income statement? Well, here's what happens. Usually, on any balance you owe, you have a corresponding monthly payment. Now, we're not talking about interest here, which again, we'll dig into that in another episode. But your corresponding monthly payment is actually where the pain point in your personal economy comes from because of this. If you had a $1 payment on a million dollar loan, would you feel stressed about that on a monthly basis? Probably not. The reason the stress comes is when we have well, $300 a month is chunked out to this one credit card payment and $3,000 is chunked out towards this other payment. And we've got this mortgage payment of, of $2,500 a month or whatever the case may be. All of those are fixed payments that shrink your monthly cash flow and make you have less to spend on a monthly basis of your discretionary spending. And so here's where having a loan reduces your monthly cash flow. And that is where we want to figure out what makes the most sense to pay off so that I can have higher monthly cash flow 
and I can be in a positive net worth position. This is a, this is kind of analogous to when I tell people we start talking about um, whether they should pay off their house or not. And I make some outrageous claim. I said, you know, really, I, I wish they had hundred year loans and people mm-hmm. look at me like I'm crazy. They're like, you would want to pay on your house for a hundred years. I said, no, I'd like the size of the mortgage payment uh, on a hundred year loan. And right. still, they don't quite, they still don't quite get what I'm trying to say. And I say, well, no, can you imagine if, if your 30 year loan was actually spread out to a hundred years, it, the, the payment would drop by a whole heck of a lot. And I wouldn't, I'd easily not worry about making that payment. And so it's just like your example of um, you're not worried about whether the payment's $1 a month. You don't care if mm-hmm. the balance is three, $300,000 if it was only $1 a month. What you don't like is when it's a $300,000 balance and it's you know $1,700 a month. That's what stresses you out. It's not right. the balance. It's about the cash flow. Exactly. So that leads us into our third point. So our first action item is to understand your balance sheet. We've covered that. And then we've covered point number two, which is to understand your income statement. Now, point number three is understand your debt to income. And again, it might sound like we're throwing out all these complicated terms, but it's also very, very simple. And debt to income means how much of your monthly income is taken up in fixed loan payments. So this is if you took all of your income on your income statement, you said how much in percentage wise of that money is dedicated to fixed monthly payments, be it a credit card, mortgage, auto loans, car loans, loan for your roof, whatever, whatever you owe, all of those payments, what is designated to fixed monthly payments? And Looking at this, this is, Bruce, you referred to something at the beginning of the conversation. Also, when a creditor or somebody who's going to extend a loan to you for a mortgage or something like that, they're looking at this ratio very closely Mm -hmm. because, especially when you're looking for a mortgage, they want to see a lower debt-to-income ratio. If they said, well, you have $300,000 a month or a year, let's just say, coming in and let's break this into a monthly instead, $20,000 a month coming in and you have only $3,000 a month in fixed payments, they're more likely to extend a loan to you rather than if you had $15,000 of that dedicated to fixed monthly payments. And so Bruce, I know you talk a lot with mortgage um, professionals as well and specialists who help people through this, but what have you seen in terms of kind of what a rule of thumb that the mortgage professional wants to see on a debt to income. Yeah, it, it really it does the, it does vary a little bit, but usually they um you're talking about the actual payment like um thirty percent of your your income right. going towards yeah. Mm-hmm. They like this they like to see about only about thirty percent of your income going towards your house payment and house expenses. Uh that's that that's very, very right. common. Right. So basically what you're doing is you're taking your total fixed monthly loan payments, dividing that by your total monthly income, and you're going to come up with a percentage. And so if a mortgage professional is going to extend a loan to you, they're going to want to see a rule of thumb of a ratio between 
28 to maybe 36%. So that's kind of the range you're talking about, Bruce, um, of your housing payments and your backend ratio, which would be all of your fixed monthly payments, including the credit card, including the auto loans that are not your housing payments, they're going to really want to see that ratio not be over 36%. Mm-hmm. So here's where the pain comes in. If you have the credit cards and all of the loans and liabilities that are eating up, say, 60% of your monthly income, not only are you feeling that pain, but you're also going to feel that pain if you go to get a new loan because you're going to be more risky to that financial institution, meaning they may not extend you a loan. And if they do, they're going to have a higher interest rate associated with that. Yeah, and the, cra- and the crazy thing about it is, uh, this is this is kind of talking about how the, the difference between debt and liabilities, um, the debt ratio um, is one thing, but then they're also looking at how many, how much, how your liabilities are your are your negative cash flow every month. So you you could change your fifteen year loan to a thirty year loan and and potentially qualify. Right, but but nothing else has changed in your entire life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so once again, it kind of shows that the difference between the home is not um, a debt; it's a liability, and that's the way you know uh, somebody that looks at your balance sheet would look at that. Because uh, people have a fifteen-year loan, they go they look to go refinance it or get into a home for a fifteen-year loan. I have real estate professionals that in my network too, and they say. You know, people want to get a 15-year loan or I have a client that says, oh, I want to buy a house, but I'll tell, tell your real estate person I only want a 15-year loan. So then you go to the mortgage people and they look at all their their income and they say, well, they can't afford a, a, that house with a 15-year loan. It's not that they can't afford the house. They can't afford the cash flow um, of the ratio, the cash flow for the 15. But if they would do a 30-year loan, it's about 35% lower payment every month. So then they can afford it. So they're really looking at that cash flow ratio uh, every month, whether you can make that payment or not. Right. So it's just interesting to me that they're not looking at your total net worth as much as they're looking at your cash flow and the impact to your cash flow that you're looking well, is Yeah, this is never more evident than when you go purchase a car. And this drives me crazy. The first statement out of a salesman's mouth is, well, what what payment do you want? Mm-hmm. Or we we've determined that you can have a payment of this amount. Uh, there's a radio station commercial running in St. Louis right now that says that if you bring home three fifty a week, you can have credit up to thirty thousand dollars. I still don't know how that math works. Hmm. Um, <laughs> But they're only looking. They're only looking for what the payment is. They're not looking for anything else. They're not looking at what the interest rate is. They're not looking for the term. They're just looking at can your monthly cash flow, your income statement, support that particular payment every month. They're not talking about whether it's going to negatively impact your net worth, your balance statement. All they're looking at for is that income to debt ratio for that particular month. So that's why we're trying to get the listeners to to understand the difference between your net worth and your income statement. Absolutely. So then given this information, let's move into step number four, which is to increase cash and assets in your control. 
Now, what do I mean by that? Well, financial security for you in your own personal life comes from knowing that you can pay your bills today and in the future, that you have sufficient cash flow to do that and to live the lifestyle that you choose. Now, a lot of times people fear debt and they prioritize paying it off. And what happens is they may have extra cash flow each month, but they use that to pay off as many loans as possible. So they're putting extra to the credit card and paying extra mortgage payments or putting extra towards the auto loans. And they're spreading that out and trying to get the loans all paid off as quickly as possible. So what's the impact then to your balance sheet and your income statement with that? Well, you might have lower liabilities and greater net worth. But the question is, could you do the same thing by instead of paying as much as possible to the loans and reducing the liabilities on your balance sheet, could you have the same impact to your net worth by instead of paying off loans more quickly, paying yourself instead and building up the assets? The answer to that is yes. Because what happens is if you, instead of trying to pay down the loans as much as possible and reduce those liabilities, if you pay yourself and increase your assets, you are having an exact, um, the exact same impact is happening on your balance sheet with an increase of your net worth. Now, the next question would be, which gives you greater control? And the way I like to think about this is if you lost your income, or you had an unexpected expense, what gives you more options and peace of mind? Imagine this, you lost income, or you had a $30,000 bill come out of the blue. If you had low liabilities, that doesn't mean you have no monthly expenses. It just means you might have less that are going towards loan payments, but you still have to pay for groceries. You still have to keep the lights on. Those might not be loans. They're not liabilities. They don't have interest associated with them, but it's a cost of living. And you still have to pay those bills whether or not you have a job. So having a position where you have no assets or low assets and low to no liabilities still doesn't give you complete freedom and peace of mind. Because if you had that high unexpected expense, where's the money going to come from to pay for it? Or if you lost your income, where's the money coming from to pay for the expenses that you have still in your daily life? Rachel, um, this, this is a topic that I don't think people understand that what they are trying to do is noble. Right. It's very noble. You know, uh, having your IISs or people say, I'm getting my house paid off because once I have my house paid off, I will have no stress in my life. The problem is, is the process of getting the house paid off puts stress in their life um, because they have extra cash flow that's flowing away from them and out of their control. And, yes. and they can't, they cannot see that. So over a 10-year period or a 15-year period, they're paying extra. And I'm just using this as one example, but they're paying extra money to the, the house and they're stressed out every month whether they're going to have enough money at the, at the end of the month to get by with all their payments. And they'll come in and, and we'll be having a conversation. They say, yeah, but I want to get that house payment off because then I won't have any stress. Well, you might not even um, live stress-free because you might die before that because you got so much stress in your life. <laughs> right. I, I, tell, I tell this story now. 
there's several examples that I've had over my career, but this is the one that actually impacts this the most. In 2008, when, when we had the start of the Great uh, Recession, I had a client who had worked, just like I said, he had, he had done everything he could to pay his house off, and he did. Then he took every last dollar he could, and he, he maxed out his own 401k at work and his own wife's 403b at her work as a teacher. And so they had very little savings. They did have good cash flow at the time where he was actually paying for the University of Missouri's $25,000 a year uh, room board and tuition out of cash flow. Mm. And, he, and he had another daughter he had done the same thing with. Then during the recession, he lost his job at Ralston Perino, a, a, a large company here in St. Louis. And so he had no income. Well, he had, he had all his money. Uh, he was not 59 and a half yet. And, and neither was his wife. He had all his money either in tax-deferred plans or in his house. He still had payments to go to the University of Missouri. And, oh, by the way, his daughter was going to be getting – the other daughter was going to get be getting married in about a year, and he was going to pay for that out of cash flow as the other daughter uh, graduated from the University of Missouri. And he lost his job. So then he went to the bank, and he said to the bank – now, his wife still had a job as a teacher – that he wanted to get a home equity line of credit. Well, they did exactly what you you were talking about earlier. They did an uh, income to expense ratio, mm-hmm. and they and they did not they did not qualify. And mm-hmm. he he said, to, I remember him saying this. He goes, I said to the banker, now wait a minute. I've been I've been sending an extra fifteen hundred dollars a month to you to get this thing paid off all this all these years. I just would like some of this money back. That I didn't have to pay you, I paid it out, you know, my own free will, and you you got it. And of course, they mm-hmm. they didn't really care at the time. So it put so much stress on his life. He did. He had. He started to have some health problems. His wife um, since has had some health problems, pretty major health problems. Mm. He he, the only job he could get, and now he was like fifty six years old at the time. He went from being an accountant for Ralston Perino to a bagger at one of our local grocery stores. So he had the stress of that. He had no, oh, by the way, they lost our health insurance on top of that. Um, sure, co- wow. co- Cobra uh, was expensive. So this was the, this was the example the like the text, unfortunately it was like the textbook example. We talk about money flowing out of your control. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. I, I, I tell this story to my clients all the time. And what do you think they say? That will never happen to me. Yeah, I'll ne- that'll never happen. I'm in a I'm in a good situation. My companies, they're never going to lay me off. Right. And uh, I'm like, uh, well, you know, I try not to be argumentative, and I'm saying, yeah, and uh, but I try to say, yeah, you're probably right. You've been there for 20 years. You're they're in good financial health, but we've had examples of other c- companies that have been good in good financial mm-hmm. health, and oh, oh, by the way, they got bought out by somebody else, and. Right. Uh, then they reassign people jobs or, or they actually lay people off early. So well, I think um, that's, that's the lack of control. Oh, it is. And it's extremely unfortunate that there's an actual person that has walked that story that we are learning from that experience. And we could say, well, hypothetically, it may not happen. But at the same time, your financial future is in your hands. And you can't look to Social Security to take care of you. You can't look to an employer to make sure that they take care of you. 
it's really your responsibility to make sure that you are in a position of control because you want to make it, you want to expand your options so that if something negative did happen, you have you have options. You can go to the bank and say, look, I have all of these assets. I have all this money as collateral. So therefore they may extend a loan in that, in that position, or you can use your own assets to pay bills for a while, but you want to be able to have those options. And unfortunately, many times because people get overwhelmed financially and they say, well, it's harder to imagine and figure out what to do with all of these moving parts. Let me just focus only on the debt piece. If I can just make progress and check that box off that I have become debt free, then I've made some type of milestone. And unfortunately, that causes us to become short sighted and do things that put us out of financial control instead of in financial control. And thank you, Bruce, for sharing that story as painful as it was for that client. That's a huge lesson for us. Now you just you just you just made me re- uh, remember something else. So you were talking about assets at a bank. Uh, mortgage rules change all the time, and after the two thousand and eight nine meltdown, they actually changed again. And you could have you could have a ton of money in a, a tax deferred position eight hundred thousand one point five million. It doesn't really make make any difference. And then you and then you lose your job and you want to then go purchase or downsize in, on a home or, or something like that. Um, and you want to get a loan. If you haven't shown income on a tax return from that um, tax deferred money, it, they don't care because you have you have not shown an income stream. That's a, that was a new mandate of the mortgage loans. Mm-hmm. So there's all kinds of things in your financial picture that people are not aware of that actually impacts another aspect of their financial picture. And that's why looking at things in a bubble in your finances are not as, um, or is not as advantageous for you as if you try to look at them in a big pie shape and have little slivers of pie being Mm -hmm. looked at by experts in all those little areas. Oh, absolutely. It's very important to understand the whole economy, the whole personal economy of your financial life and say, what puts me in the position of maximum control? And that brings us back to this idea that when you prioritize saving and increasing your net worth by having cash that you can access and use, that puts you in a better position of control and having future options, no matter what happens to you, no matter what happens to the economy around you, things could crumble. You could lose a job and still be okay because you have a position, you have a place to draw money from to make those payments and to still be stable. So let's jump into our very last point for today. And that is number five, increase your cash flow. So here's where paying off loans can help. And this is because if you pay off a loan, you remove that payment from your expenses. So what I'm talking about, I just crossed over from one in one financial statement to another. By paying off a loan, say a credit card, on the balance sheet that's in your liability section of your balance sheet, by Xing that out and paying it off, you remove the corresponding payment on your expenses of your income statement. Now, here's the key. We're going to discuss this in a future episode, but you want to understand the 
impact of each loan and which one's most effective for you to pay off. Instead of just lumping a bunch of extra money to all of your payments, hoping to reduce all of them as quickly as possible, it's best to have a plan in place to build up an emergency and opportunity fund, and then one at a time focus on the most important loan to pay off first. And the key is not what you'd think it would be. It's actually not interest. We're going to walk you through what that means to pay off the loans in the quickest and safest way that puts you in the position of maximum control. Because I've had somebody on a smaller scale than you were talking about say, well, I have $7,000 on a credit card, a balance, and I have $7,000 in cash. What should I do? And immediately they said, oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to use that $7,000 and I'm going to go ahead and pay off the credit card. And they did. And they might have wiped out that liability. But the problem was that they did not have any cash to fall back on for emergencies. And so that put them back in that same negative, frustrating position where now if they did need cash, they're going to have to charge it up on the credit card again and rubber band that that liability back into the negative. So we don't want to be in that position. So before you pay off loans, you want to have savings. You want to pay off according to which one's going to increase your cash flow the most. And we will walk you through that strategy in a future episode. So as we wrap today, here's a simple quiz that you can use to think through these aspects in your life. First, do I owe any money to anyone else at interest? Okay. If you answer yes, that is a specific liability. You do have a liability. Next, do I have any assets that could pay this off now? And that does, it's not a trick question, but it means if I sold the car, if I sold the house, if I cash out all the bank accounts, could I pay off that liability? If the answer is yes, I could pay it off, you are in a positive net worth position. You are not in debt. If you do not have assets that you could use to pay off that liability, then yes, you are in debt. Now, we're not advocating being in a debt position, true debt position of negative net worth. That's frustrating and complicating and and really overwhelming for anyone. But at the same time, we want to truly understand, am I in debt or do I have a liability? So as we close today, when someone says they want to be debt-free, usually they mean, I want to be liability-free. What we want to do is make sure that you are working towards financial freedom, which is this position where you have income from assets that's greater than your expenses. And while lower expenses are an easier position to build financial freedom from, you still need to build income-producing assets. Having no liability payments means you're debt-free. That is not the same thing as having cash flow from assets, which is what financial freedom is all about. So you now have a choice to make. You can either go the easy way or the hard way. The hard way is to just get mad at your debt, put everything extra towards paying it off. Or you can work the easy way, which is a little bit counterintuitive because it's opposite of probably everything you've heard before understand how to be in financial control, put as much into positive equity as possible, have as much cash in your control, and have as much cash flow in your control. That means less of your monthly payments are designated for, or less of your monthly income is designated for payments. So Bruce, would you like to invite our audience if they would like to 
assess their net worth, their loans, and really design a personalized strategy to pay off loans in a position that puts them in the most control, how can we help them do that? Yeah, if you want to reach out to us, and if any of this stuff has uh, found any interest to you, you can um, reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com. You could schedule a financial picture conversation with us so we can teach you how to put as much money into your control. What we're really trying to do is discover what uh, money's flowing into your control and then out of your control. And then we'll strategize to get more of that money flowing into your control. And the end result is we have found with a lot of people that they have more money to spend, not only and retain and utilize for their lifetime, but for future generations. So email us at hello at the moneyadvantage.com and request that uh, financial picture conversation. And please share your comments and questions and feedback for us personally. We'd love to hear how we can um, either have some additional topics or um, we'd like to hear what you think about these podcasts. Absolutely. And so thank you for listening today. And we hope this added value to your life and brought some clarity. And remember, success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd, and build a life and business that you love. To learn how high-performing entrepreneurs 10x or more returns on liquid capital without giving up quick access to cash, go to themoneyadvantage.com forward slash liquid dash capital to get The Unfair Advantage, your 20-minute easy-to-read guide on maximizing your savings. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated Member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and Investment Advisory Services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and Registered Investment Advisor, both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.